The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Welcome, everyone, to yet another edition of Conversations with Carlton, a podcast produced by the Texas Economic Development Council. Uh, we are delighted today to have one of the first ladies of economic development in our great state of Texas, Amanda Nobles of Kilgore, Texas and the Kilgore EDC. Amanda, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. Thanks very much, Carlton. It's great to be talking to you. Amanda, um, you have had a long and distinguished career in economic development. Um, you know, like so many of us, uh, I know that you didn't uh, graduate from college thinking you were going into economic development. As I recall, um, you have a degree uh, from the University of Texas in French, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, tell us about uh, about your life before economic development and tell us about how you got into our business. Okay, my life before economic development was I did teach French uh, and uh, some history early in my life. Um, then I stayed home with children. And when I wanted to get back in the workforce, the oil and gas industry was uh, going strong. And so I trained to be a petroleum landman and did that until the crash uh, back in the in the 80s. And I needed a way to support my two children and myself that was a little more stable, that kept me closer to home, and that uh, actually had benefits. And so the Kilgore Main Street was just starting at that time, and they were advertising for a Main Street manager. And I applied for the job and was fortunate enough to get that job. And that was when I moved to Kilgore and started off with the Main Street program and had wonderful training from the state's Main Street program coordinator, Annis Reed, and really learned a lot about development and working in downtowns and working with the city. About two years into that program, the um, city manager at that time, Ron Cox, was not happy with the way the program was going because of the lack of interest on the part of the building owners. They would not invest, they would not do what they needed to do in order to have a successful program. And so he wanted to end that program and that was the point in time where this, the state legislature and um, who was then Senator Bill Ratliff proposed the legislation for a half cent sales tax for economic development. And um, Ron was interested in that program. And so he said, Amanda, how would you like to do economic development for Kilgore? And I said, I would love it. What is it? And he, <laughs> he sent me um, to BEDC, he sent me to uh, this basic economic development 
um, course, and he sent me also to Economic Development Institute. And I got a training and we held uh, an election at the second election period following the adoption of that legislation. And that was in 1989. And our corporation started in 1990. And it's been wonderful. This job has just been wonderful. Wow. I, I did not know, Amanda, that you, I, I knew you had been there a long time, but I didn't know that you were there at the time of the election. And um, I knew Kilgore was an early uh, adopter of the ED sales tax. That's just, that's remarkable. That's remarkable. You're, uh, you're the only person that's ever uh, headed the economic development effort in Kilgore, Texas. That's right. That's right. The former mayor used to say she's the only coach we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing you mentioned, I have always uh, thought that you were from Kilgore. Where were you from originally? I was originally from Marshall, uh, which is okay. you know th 35 miles away. I really knew very little about Kilgore, except that when I was at the University of Texas and came home in the summers, I drove from Marshall to Kilgore College uh, to get some of the basic courses, you know, out of the way. And that was my experience with Kilgore before that. And then after university, I moved to Washington State, where I taught school and then moved to Houston where I taught school, then moved to Austin and back to Marshall and then to Longview. And so when I took the Main Street job, I moved to Kilgore from Longview. Tell us about um, your, your many accomplishments in, in Kilgore. Tell us about, uh, you know, you know, some of the projects you've worked on and, uh, some of the some of the things that you've done there over the years. When we initially started, uh, there was one industrial park that was owned by an a, a, an old uh, independent industrial foundation. That industrial foundation had basically gone bankrupt, and the banks had taken over that property. They had one business that had located in 1985 in that very small park. There was 60 acres in it. And starting off, we focused on that, on that one park and we were able to get another business in, which was a food processing business. It was called Kennedy Gourmet. And um, that was, kind of the start. And then we had immediately uh, two companies filed for a tax abatement on uh, expansions that they were having uh, in, their, in their industries. They were both plastics companies. They were investing in uh, new equipment and adding new jobs. And so they tested the waters for the new tax abatement that was allowed in Texas and went before the city councils. And at that time, the school board 
the college board and Greg County, and we were able to get those um, two abatements approved and kind of get our whole philosophy on abatements um, agreed upon between those different entities. And it was the sliding scale abatement that was the equivalent of a four and a half year, 100%, but it was three years, 100%, and then a percentage was added in over the, the following three years. And oddly enough, that has been what we uh, continue to offer uh, to tax abatements, unless it's a high impact project. And we have had some high impact projects in Kilgore. They're not all new, but they are um, tremendous expansions of existing industry. Um, the Alcoa, which started off in Kilgore as Southern Plastics, Inc. So they sold to Alcoa and Alcoa came in and they added, they doubled the plant size. They had 100,000 square feet and they added on an additional 100,000 square feet. They came to us and said, we need incentives to be able to do this. And that company has continued to grow. And it's not that we gave incentives that were such a huge part of their whole finance package. Our incentive packages, the maximum we have ever done is 5%, but they have been averaging 2% of the company's investment. And that's just what we needed to do to enable the company to make a move forward. And we are now working on economic development agreement number nine with that same company. They've continued to add investment over the years. And uh, they, you know, that's just an example of what you can do with an existing business. Um, our next major development was uh, to find, since that park that that company was locating in had such limited land, we needed to find new land. And that was when the process started to find uh, what is now Synergy Park, which is our business park. And that's thank you. That project started in 94, 1994. And it started with an old paper map that a surveyor in town had done. It was basically a parcel map of the city of Kilgore. And looking at it, you could see where the railroad was. You could figure out where the water and sewer was and how far away you're away from it. And in Kilgore, what was terrifically important was that you knew where the old East Texas oil field was. So, looking for a spot in our city that did not have the East Texas oil field, but that was near rail, that was near the water and sewer infrastructure, and that was on uh, a highway, we ended up really with one really good piece of land 
And so we started talking to the owners about optioning a 752 acre uh, parcel of land that they owned, but it was like 32 different owners at the time. It was a family land that had you know, been passed down for generations. And so that we optioned that land and did not issue bonds to begin the construction of Synergy Park until 1999. And that's when we started building the infrastructure, the roadways, the water, the sewer uh, to get in so that we could actually show the land uh, to new, new development. Our first project in here was Streamflow, a Canadian company. They came in uh, with a valve remanufacturing facility and built a great building. KEDC invested in a shell building and that was an 80,000 square foot building because we did not have anything to market. We had no available buildings. And that was what started Synergy Park off. The biggest project today to come into Synergy Park is of course, Orgel, O-R-G-I-L-L. Orgel is the world's largest privately held warehouse distribution company for hard goods. And hard goods are things that you find in a hardware store. And the name was not recognizable but certainly an impressive company. And this was a site selection, uh, site selector, uh, consultant driven project. It was Mike Mullis. And Mike is a tough site selector. You fill out a three inch ring binder for him, or you did back in the day. Now you can do it on computers. But it was tough work. It was he's a tough negotiator, but we were successful in getting a 583,000 square foot facility, and that was 11 years ago. They committed to bringing in 300 jobs. Those were those jobs were scaled in over a 10 year period, and that was the first time that we offered a tax abatement that was 100% for 10 years, the maximum that the state would allow. But we had other things like inventory that uh, were in the state of Texas that the city would receive those taxes on. And of course, school districts by that time were not allowed to participate in tax abatements, but we were joined by the college district and the county and successful in getting them here. And now 10 years later, they're doubling the size of their plant. And it's just an investment that has made such great sense for Kilgore because diversification was very important for our economy. Uh, Kilgore grew up as an oil and gas economy and the revenues of the city and the other taxing entities followed the ups and downs of the oil and gas industry. And in the mid eighties, 
the city lost half of its revenue from sales tax and property tax. And that was a very tough time for the city. And so they became focused on diversification and that was the charge that they gave to us when we started Kilgore Economic Development Corporation. It was get some investment in here and we need investment that is diverse. And that's what we've worked on. You know, uh, Amanda, it's a, it's a great story. When I, when I visit Kilgore, um, I, you can see that all of the diver diversification that has occurred there has occurred since the creation of KEDC. And uh, it's a remarkable success story uh, about the, the value in, uh, of the economic development sales tax and how it has helped uh, keep Kilgore going uh, and growing. And, and um, uh, it, it, would be, it, it would be amazing to see an unfortunate uh, of what might have happened to Kilgore without the economic development sales tax and without the efforts of you and the KEDC. Would, would you not agree? Uh, I do agree. But the other critical com component in this, Carlton, is the fact that it was not just KEDC. It's that KEDC was the method and the, and the way uh, to get through this, but it took a coordinated vision and effort between not only the city but school district, college district, and county. And the reason I think that we have been successful is because it was a common vision and it's not really changed. Everyone yeah. is pulling in the same direction. It's, it's you've just been uh, part of a remarkable run there. And, you know, I was thinking about, <clears throat> you know, when I started the TDC, you were already a leader uh, within our organization. And uh, one of the, when, when, when I look back at the history of our organization, one of the things that was critical to the, really the last 15 years of our work in protecting the economic development sales tax was in 2003 and 2005, and I think more so in 2003, was your work um, in helping us clean up the economic development sales tax law. And I remember distinctly your work in uh, in helping us write the primary jobs provision in type A. Do you remember that, Amanda? Yes, yes, I do. Um, and even before that, Carlton, I remember um, Senator Ratliff, who at that time, you know, was Lieutenant Governor Ratliff, who said to all of us, I mean, he came and he talked to TEDC and yep. the sales tax cities, and he said, you are going to have to protect the sales tax because it will become a target for people that want money for 
other things. And Senator Ratliff, with his enormous vision, believed that if you worked on primary job development, if you worked on things that generated tax revenue for your city, that then your city could do other things with the increase in the tax revenue. They didn't have to take the, what, what my daddy always called the seed corn. You didn't have to eat your seed corn. You planted it. And he saw that vision very clearly and, and he was excellent at talking about that theory to people in a way that they could understand. And that is what I remember, Carlton, is that we began at that time then to protect the sales tax. And there was a lot of accusation about misuse in those early years because it was new. People didn't know what they were doing. They didn't misuse it because they were uh, evil. They didn't misuse it because of anything other than that they weren't educated about how you use this money to generate additional revenue for your city. Even Absolutely. Giving you know, if, if, yeah. you, um, if you think about it, I, I, I've, uh, I've started thinking about it in, uh, in, in the three decades since we've had um, the ED sales tax. Uh, 1989 to 2003, uh, I think you could label as the wild, wild west years. You know, we're kind <laughs> of um, anything, uh, it was an anything goes kind of era alongside of your work in um, uh, establishing the primary jobs provision, which really helped protect type, well, then referred to as 4A, type A. Um, alongside of that, the next session, we, um, we got the legislature to pass the training requirement. And I think the primary jobs provision, the training requirement, some cleanup that we did in 05, which uh, frankly was a bit controversial within our organization, but it was good for the small type Bs. Yes. Uh, we, we ended up getting the law to a point where, or to a place where there's, there's something in it for, for everyone. And if they um, uh, use uh, the law to the way that they can, they're really, it, it really is at, at a good place right now. And, and I, I mention all this because I, I, I really think you're one of the most instrumental people in helping us get there. Well, thank you. We had a great team, Carlton, working on this all together. And once again, even though within the organization there were different opinions, when push came to shove, we were all pulling in the same direction. Um, a tiny little community might need to recruit a Dairy Queen because that might be economic development for him, for them. And so that is what kind of spurred the Type B uh, addition. And I think that while that frightened 
a lot of uh, TEDC members who had a type A and were concerned that, that would just, you know, overwhelm the whole system. I think in the education requirement, we were able to teach people kind of the basics of economic development and this whole theory of investing in businesses and industries that deliver tax base, sales tax, that contributes to your economy and begins to rotate those dollars within your economy. Um, I know that quality of life is important in a community. And I know that there are some quality of life projects that are that are excellent. But what I don't want people to lose sight of is the fact that if you build a walking trail system in your community, it's a great asset for your citizens. And it's it's nice to be able to say to new companies coming in, we have a walking trail system. We have tremendous park systems. But those systems cost the city money because you've got to have maintenance. You've got to have somebody out there working in those parks, working on those trails, and they generate no revenue for you or no new revenue for you. The citizens certainly pay taxes and can keep that going. But if you keep, if 100% of your money goes to those type of projects, you have not added to the revenue of your community. And what we are doing with the primary job side of the economic development sales tax is we're investing in projects that generate additional revenue for the community through tax base, through sales tax, through jobs that enable our citizens to support their families and go out into our communities and buy things, which in turn pay a sales tax to our city. So it's that is the reason that Kilgore focuses on the type A. We have done some type B projects because we held an election to allow our organization to fund some of those. But once again, we were working alongside the city council and they understood that the bulk of the money needed to be generating additional revenue for the city. And when we were having a great revenue year, there would be money available to do some of these quality of life projects. And we're on board with that. You know, well, not a bad thing. It's just that you can't lose focus of what the primary employer portion of that does for your city. And, you know, again, because of folks like yourself and, and other leaders within the TEDC, you know, one thing that is just so evident to me in my time here is when we when we have one of our workshops, um, there are so many more people in the room that understand the 
primary job effects, that understand multiplier effects, that understand how economic development works. Um, that's that's something that all TEDC members and leaders like yourself should really be proud of. Well, I, I am very proud of that, and I am so glad that we were successful in getting the education component of uh, a required component, because otherwise we wouldn't have had the opportunity to train so many people. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're talking about, um, we've talked about our success uh, today, and, and uh, I, yet I think that our uh, sales effort on how economic development works, why it's important, um, is, is a, and should be a relentless one. And, uh, you know, one that uh, we have to be uh, diligent about pursuing. And uh, I know you'll agree with that. And, and um, that said, I want to lead into a, another question for you. And that is, where, where do you see our business going, Amanda? Where do you, what do you, uh, where do you see economic development going in Texas? Uh, and and consequently, uh, where where do you see the TDC going? Well, what concerns me most, Carlton, is there seems to be a media trend and a um, politics trend to talk about incentives as if they were corporate welfare or if as if they were interference in the you know the the marketplace, um, and I don't I don't think that those people understand um, the real impact that incentives have if the incentives are used wisely, and I am I am very proud of TEC members that understand this and that have used their the sales tax wisely because if you use it wisely you can you can show the numbers show the growth in the tax base and and the growth in the community the growth in your uh, income for your citizens and th those are all very important in order to tell our story because if we don't do those those kinds of measurements and metrics and if we don't talk about those kind of results then the bigger story is going to be you're just giving away our money for nothing and i think that that is a constant threat and i think we do have to be on guard to ensure that texas continues to be a leader in investment and job creation. And I know that our state government is business friendly and is conscious of what our businesses and industries do for this state. 
It's not just because we're a great state and everyone wants to come here. It's because our policies actually enable businesses to operate profitably. And that is extremely important. And it's extremely important to realize the role that having the availability of local incentives has played. I think that uh, the bulk of the investment in Texas in those early years was because economic developers throughout the state were working so hard on the local level to attract new business and new industry. And that contributed to the growth of this state. And I think if we lose sight of what um, local option sales tax and local option decisions regarding that sales tax, if we lose sight of that, that, that Texas is going to lose a part of its advantage. And I think that, that that's a, a threat to TEDC simply because if this is all becomes just more general revenue for government, it's, we're going to lose sight of economic development and what economic development does in reality for our local communities, uh, our counties, and our state. I beautifully, beautifully put, uh, Amanda, and, you know, in some regards, certainly in some of our really high growth areas, it's almost like we be, become victims of our own success. People take for granted the success that we've had. Um, I think a lot of folks think that this stuff just happens when those of us in the business know that we lose far more projects than we ever gain and that we have to be in this business uh, to continue our success. We absolutely do. And the, you know, the, the news headlines, whether they're national or, or statewide, anytime there is a, a, misuse or misinterpretation of incentives used and there's not enough focus on the results of those incentives, what the impact, what the real impact, not the fluffed up, you know, inflated impact, but the real impact in terms of, you know, what new is going on to the tax rolls that will be paying taxes in spite of a tax abatement agreement. Um, tax abatement agreements, we have to remind everyone that that is not uh, an abatement of current taxes that are on the tax rolls. It's an abatement of new development. And you're doing that so that the company can be profitable in those early years, and that will lead to more success. But, you know, it's become... Um, very, very competitive. And I think that when we let the news media drive uh, our decisions at a federal level, at a state level, 
and even at a local level, that we need to back up and look at the story that we're telling and are we are we really focusing on the right things? Are we focusing on the fact that this much money is going to be generated for the city or the county or the state? Or are we focusing on the big name and the big splash? Um, and I think we need to be focusing on the basics. Well said. Well said, my friend. Um, Amanda, Thank you so much for uh, what what you've done for Kilgore and uh, the KEDC. But from our perspective at TEDC, thank you for being a great leader uh, in our organization. And uh, I, uh, I I fully expect you to be uh, at the KEDC for another thirty years. So. Uh, I don't think so, but I will tell you that this is a fantastic profession. When I am able to walk into a building that didn't exist before and see people working at jobs that are supporting their families, or I walk into a business that has expanded and gone from 50 jobs to 150 jobs. And I walk in there and I see that great expansion and see those people working those jobs. That is the greatest feeling in the world that you've had a tiny part in that. And it's, it, it is a fantastic profession. And uh, it is because of the relationships in TEDC that help us grow and learn new things and work together for a common good that that enables us to do what we do. And I'm just so appreciative of, of all of that. And it has truly been a team. It is not an individual, um, whether you're in your community or whether you're in a statewide organization, it's a team effort. And I think um, we need to all recognize that we need to all be in this together. Amanda, that is beautifully said. Um, thank you again for uh, being a part of our podcast today. Uh, thank you again for all of your great work in Kilgore and uh, on behalf of the Texas Economic Development Council. Oh, thank you, Carlton. It has been wonderful.